I'm Lieutenant Pat Doring, Crisis Negotiator from TwoGuysTalkingStarWars.com, and you're listening to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast via the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. S.H.I.E.L.D. It's an organization that both exists and doesn't exist all at the same time. For those in the know, S.H.I.E.L.D., the Strategic Homeland Intervention, Enforcement, and Logistics Division is the counterterrorism and intelligence agency run by Director Nick Fury. Its global reach, with thousands of operatives with differing skill sets across the globe, continues to grow. S.H.I.E.L.D.'s activities have been documented for a long time, both in comic books and feature films. Those legendary tales now transfer to the smaller screen in a weekly series on ABC via Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a chronicle of the findings of a crack team of S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. This is the detailed review of those chronicles. Set your life model decoy to take care of life's business for now. It's time for another episode of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast from Two Guys Talking. Gravity isn't just what's responsible for bringing you down. It's the literal centerpiece inside this episode of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 5, Episode 21, The Force of Gravity. A clear villain, several clear threats, multiple decisions, and the amount of fates to be impacted inside this and the season finale are copious. It's time for another episode of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, a complete, detailed, and always educational review of each and every episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu Streaming. Greetings, everyone. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Nick, some quick housekeeping. The Fugitive Perspective Review, an update. Boy, have I got some cool news for everybody that is eager to see the Fugitive Perspective Review get captured. I got a retired U.S. Marshal to sit in with us. Ooh. Mr. Knight. Haha. Is that Knight with a K or Knight with an N? It is with a K, making it even even more royally awesome. The retired Knight. That's right. This is retired U.S. Marshal Rick Knight will be sitting in with us. And the even more delicious part that makes it so even more, much more awesome is that Rick Knight was actually the consultant for the sequel U.S. Marshals. U.S. Marshals. Right. Hey. So we're going to have him do the first one with us, and my guess is that the attention span for everything that is perspective reviews typically goes very high. We'll then do the second one, starring Wesley Snipes, for which we'll actually And Robert get... Downey Jr. Let's not forget Robert right. Downey Jr. Absolutely, because it spills greatly into Marvel and some great movies that everybody will sit down and watch if it happens to be on when they're walking by, plopping down in the chair to then watch the rest. Mm-hmm. Anyway... That's my great news uh, that that perspective view is going to be captured the next month here uh, after Agents ends. So it'll be more great content for everybody to listen to. You'll find it over at PerspectiveReviews.com and WhatCopsWatch.com. The Matrix Perspective Review. This was something that we put in the show notes for the last episode, Mm -hmm. but I wanted to make sure that we made a very bold, in-your-face point to go and listen to it, because I, to compile some incredibly deep and copious show notes, went back and listened to all of it, and dude, it is so awesome. Yeah, There's so much that that still, to this day, rings inside of that movie that Mm. is just awesome. 
It is an incredibly well put together movie that has so many tendrils. And as I get older, I continue to find even more that crack open like a like a can of soda pop that I get to just drink liberally from. Right. It's awesome. I want all of you to go check it out right now over at twoguystalking.com forward slash matrix where you'll find not only that file to listen to, but also the incredibly large listing of links that you can go to right now to learn more about the matrix, but more importantly about the weapons and how they are used from our sponsor and guest host inside that perspective review, Matt Bauer from Sovereign Arms. It's great stuff. Again, twoguystalking.com forward slash matrix. And if you listen, you might learn Kung Fu too. Whoa. All right, Nick, that's all I got for housekeeping this episode. It's time to get to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. This time, Season 5, Episode 21. We're almost to the end. Almost. Almost to the end. The Force of Gravity. Sponsored by Acoustica's Mixed Craft Recording Software, Blogger's Bug, and the St. Charles Office Center. Hearing and being impacted by multiple voices. This is a great way to lead into it. It's a very subtle, uh, incredibly inexpensive way to showcase that what is being experienced is not quite, to another nod to the Matrix, real. Right. And this is very well done. In fact, Mm. as we coast through the front end of this episode, I think it's one of the best things that this episode does. Yeah, and right off the bat, too. Mm -hmm. I mean, it grabs Right in. Yeah, yeah. Daddy Cassius comes to Daisy. I cackled later on inside this episode <laughs> when <laughs> when Daddy Cassius is actually named inside of this episode, and it, yeah, it, it was what wonderful. Is it, what is it called? Papa Papa Cassius, something like that, something like that. Yeah, it, yeah it, it, it was great because it was at least one of the names that we used inside of right. last episode. <laughs> so in our last episode review, and so again, that that little bit of profit that happens inside of the Agents of Shield podcast is always something delicious. The concept of villain of the month. This was excellent, and I can't quite determine whether or not it's the writers kind of looking back at the fans that doubted the original what was going to happen with and inside of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. because that's Mm. what everybody thought was going to happen. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be the CGI creation and or villain of the week is where they thought this program was going. Well, there's so many sci-fi fantasy shows that did that. Mm -hmm. Just off the top of my head, I remember Smallville. I remember Smallville being a huge deal for, at the time, the WB, then mm-hmm. became the CW. But the WB, I mean, promoted that relentlessly. And I was mm-hmm. like, I'm not going to watch this. Yeah. What, what, why yeah. would I want to watch this? I, I already know the story of Clark Kent. He grows up as being Superman. Who cares? Mm-hmm. But then in syndication, I, end up, I ended up watching the first season. And again, you know, very CWWB. Mm-hmm. But it was Monster of the Week. Every single mm-hmm. week, it was another person infected by what they were calling just meteor rock but of course it was kryptonite Mm. and it would transform them into some kind of a monster Mm. and that seemed to be the formula was it dumb looking and feeling sometimes sometimes not all the time Mm -hmm. but sometimes it was creative sometimes it was just oh okay so we're doing this were they all all in a family of look and feel when they were altering people i mean like literally were they cgi'd 
or were they not they have like a the, lot? Most of it, most of it was. Did they have ill-fitting shirts with altered <laughs> eyebrows? Did they have dangly things <laughs> off of their off their front? Yes, they had dangly things. But if you go back, if you go back to classic <laughs> television, go. I know that you are, or or at least were, you were imbibing Netflix's. Uh, Lost in Space relaunch. Reboot, yes, I got whatever. I got to episode four and a half, and I can't quite stay awake. Okay, well, <laughs> I, I remember the old that. show. The old show. Every every episode, monster of the week, villain of the week. It's mm-hmm. it's the same. It's the same concept. It's it's something that's been in television, specifically sci-fi and fantasy, mm-hmm. forever. Mm-hmm. For this show to give, to actually use the reference, kind of being self-referential, mm-hmm. is kind of funny. But really, when you look at this show, this show does not have a villain of the week. It has a villain of the season, sometimes two or three villains of the season. Yeah, of the it, pod. Maybe. Yeah, it, it breaks mm-hmm. the cycle of the villain of the week formula, and mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. and, and the thing is that I think if people would have stuck around in the early days... Mm-hmm. They would have seen that, and uh, I mean, now I'm telling people, "Oh, I loved, I stopped watching Agents of Shield before season two started." I was like, "Dude, where's your commitment? No, you go think, back yeah. and give it another rewatch because it does get better." Yeah, the only thing I can think there is that I still know people that have not taken in. Not that I'm asking everybody to take in all, but I know people that have not taken in a lot of the Marvel mm. Netflix offerings. Mm. Yeah. Uh, the, the big ones, the big gets, of course, are Daredevil. Yes. Uh, now with Punisher, Jessica Jones, Asterisk, and yeah. Luke Cage. And then the rest of them are kind of also Rands, i.e. Uh, Iron Iron Fist in the Butt. <laughs> and then the Defenders, which I thought was equally as worthless as just about everything that happened inside of Iron Fist. I got, I got nothing out of Defenders at all. I, I didn't. I didn't think it was worth my time. Well, and I and I don't want to go. I don't want to derail the the review. But I'll oh, just, I do. I'll just say this: where Netflix is concerned, they in my mind they had a phase one, and it was leading up to Defenders, and unfortunately, unlike the films, their phase one fizzled out, because Iron Fist. Instead of being Iron Fist season one and learning about Danny Rand and mm-hmm. the Iron Fist and Kun Lun and, and how he learns not only Kung Fu, but fights a frickin' dragon mm-hmm. to, to obtain this power, it was, ooh, there's all this shit that we left dangling after the season two finale of Daredevil that we gotta get in somehow so that we can do Defenders. So we're just gonna shove it here. And then we're gonna continue this subpar storytelling in Defenders, and that's yeah. what happens. Sadly, I think we've learned our lesson. Scott Buck, don't touch my Marvel. Yeah, I. And again, not to derail the inter, the review of <laughs> of Agents, but the uh, there was recently a, a three part series of interviews that were done right before Infinity War released. Mm-hmm. Uh, no spoilers here, so you don't have to worry about it. Uh, but there is a series of three videos that we're going to link to inside the show notes. But they are spectacular. The reason. Because it's where they sit with Kevin Feige, the master craftsman slash blueprint designer for everything Marvel, sits down with a dude that you can just barely hear. I'm not sure how the sound got so crappy uh, inside of the interviewer's audio inside of it. But Kevin Feige's is excellent. Okay. And what he delivers is stellar detail of, of all three phases, phase one, phase two, and phase three. And there's some 
excellent, excellent detail in there. The only one I'm going to tell you, and it's not a spoiler, um, but it's definitely a clarifier. A lot of people are under the impression that there have only been 18 films from Marvel, i.e. the second issued Incredible Hulk film, i.e. not Hulk, or not, not the Hulk. Not that Eric Bana Hulk crap piece of no. CG. Blech. Right, not right. that. The second one that was issued that had Ed Norton as Bruce yeah. Banner. Okay. Incredible Hulk. That is canon. Yeah. And for those of you that are saying it is not canon and so is not included inside of your top 18, well, excuse me, but it is canon. And I'd like to point curious, out. I'd like to point out that in Avengers, Bruce Banner actually says, the last time I was in New York... This is dialogue yeah. in the film. The last time I, I was in New York, I broke... Wrecked Harlem. Blah. Harlem. Yeah. And that's where the ending battle between the Hulk and the Abomination took place. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, the, the interviews are absolutely tremendous. Again, it's it's hard to hear the interviewer. Yeah. And Nick and I both work inside of audio regularly to edit it. And I am absolutely flabbergasted that they weren't able to find something like Levelator that we use inside of our efforts regularly to try to even out sound. Anyway, we'll link up to those three interviews inside of this episode's show notes, and I would like all of you to watch them because they really, really are good. For those of you, I, I, I have to admit, I have not been a devotee of being able to go, oh, this is the end of the first uh, phase of blah. Oh, mm. this is the middle of the second... I haven't followed, nor do I care about any of that. It's all just storytelling to me. Right, yeah. It's essentially my comic book collection of just sitting down, opening up the book, and reading the book, and, hey, now it's time for the next one. Right. That's how it's worked for me with all of these, you know, regardless of where any of all this stuff appears, it's just me going to grab the next series of magazines, opening them up, reading them, and then imbibing. That's it. That's, that's really well, even it. their explanation of it, because Avengers is supposed to be the end of Phase 1, and Iron Man 3 is supposed to be the beginning of Phase 2, and I totally disagree. The way Iron Man 3 is set up is the ending of Phase 1, or at least an epilogue yeah. to Phase 1, because yeah. it's the it's dealing with the, the events of the Avengers. And I love that you mentioned that because Kevin Feige addresses that almost specifically oh, really? inside of it. Yeah, oh, okay. it's, uh, Again, the, the, that's why I care at all about any of this is because it literally is the guy mm-hmm. with his hand on the on the silver marker on the blueprint paper. He is literally the Stan He's Lee the of the right. Marvel Cinematic Universe. Right. There's all kinds of light bulb moments in it that I know I appreciate it as a guy that doesn't care at all about phase anything inside of Marveldom. Mm. And so if I appreciated it, I know the people that are like me will also appreciate it. But the people that do care about all the phase this and end of blah that, you guys are going to just dig it totally. So anyway, we're going to link to those three videos. They just hit YouTube this last week, the week right after uh, Infinity War reaches a billion dollars. And they they are, it is tremendous. They really, really are good. You're going to love them. Let's walk through the centipede serum one more time. This was tremendous. Take, I don't takes you back, man. Takes not, you back. Now is it? Now is it? Take you back? I don't know many shows that can almost say word for word. Okay, time for exposition, and not piss you off. Mm. There are all kinds of television programs that I can name off the top of my head that do that. Where 
they don't they don't say the words and now it's time for exposition but what they do is they'll walk over to a table and sure as damn time it's time to just blather through the abc equals d it's it's like and the, i hate it it's it's like the uh, austin powers films they actually have a character called basil exposition <laughs> yeah. so that so that all of the so stuff out of the way exactly it's like you know right that there. this guy right here is yeah. going to tell you everything that you that, need to know about the plot so that you can watch the rest of the movie and not have to worry about yes, it. Yes. And and I appreciate that in comedy. Here, the thing is, is that where where it could have be, became bad exposition was, mm-hmm. oh, yes, the ser- the centipede serum. Uh, this was our, fer- our very first case. And then they actually continue to talk about, oh, you remember how, you know, it was combined with this, that, and the other thing, and how we, had, we were running around and we were chasing this guy and that guy and that. No. All they have to do is say, it was our very first case. Mm-hmm. And that's all you have to say and where the onward. exposition is, yeah. is, is concerned because the fans, you don't play stupid for the fans. Yeah. You don't have to be stupid for the fans. Yeah. Now, somebody just walking in is going like, hey, hey, what's this uh, centipede stuff? Then you have to pause the episode and tell your stupid friend, hey, take a hike. I'm watching my show. Yeah. If you want to know, Netflix has got all the seasons. You can get caught up, buddy. Yeah. Well, th- th- this episode in particular, you it's not that if you didn't pay attention, you would be lost in it. W- what will happen, though, if you're not paying attention, if you just kind of have that casual attention span inside mm. this episode, you'll miss a lot oh, of yeah, details that really will flush out the episode. Th- this was a very, very detailed episode that all twists into the positive with all of the details that if you bother to pay attention... Mm you will catch and then be able to throw into your enjoyment of the episode. And yet another reason it. to rewatch it as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, again, the opening and closing of Loop, something that my co-host over at WhatCopsWatch.com, Chief Christy Giuseppe, talks about all the time. Mm-hmm. Opening and closing loops is awesome, and it really does work when it happens. But then the reopening to refer to them to help bolster storytelling, it's another master stroke in regard to creating a new series of loops that make a packet of information Mm. that you can tuck into newer episodes that refer back to things that happened previously Mm. so that the people that have seen it can remember it and the ones that haven't seen it they now know that there's something to go back and watch and that's exactly what I know I always try to tuck inside of all of our podcasting. Right. It's not just, okay, now and now it's time to refer to an episode of something else that we've done <laughs> so that someone will listen to that, too. Thank you, Scarecrow. It has uh, nothing to do with our episode review, but we're going to tell you to go and listen to something else we've done. <laughs> no. Right. Everything that we talk about has meaning. There's right. always a meaning. The, the, the context of being able to use all of these threads to make this fabric, this tapestry of fandom, pop culture, and why we care at all about what we're talking about. I remember this specifically earlier this week. Nick and I were chatting after I just got done listening to the most recent episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which, by the way, if you're a podcaster and you are not listening to your own podcast, a shame on you. (laughs) I I can't tell you how much I garner, even after I I remember a lot of the things that I say. It's not that I forget it. I remember it because... I was there. <laughs> <laughs> but when it's pieced together, in particular ours were, that mm-hmm. we're throwing through, thanks to Nick, but also the, the folks inside of our editor core, because it is being put together as a program for people, there's a difference between what I will just call a podcast and what you're hearing inside of something like the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. And what it came down to, I'm, 
I'm going to try and paraphrase the, the, the what I said it was, mm. but it is essentially a focused pop culture referential captured conversation that is between, on one side, someone just sitting down on a microphone, hitting the record button, blathering on for 55, 60 minutes, and on the other side, an audio book. We're smack dab in the middle to take all of the quality to take all of the viewpoints, to take the quality of polished editing, to take details that you will not hear inside of other programming, our perspectives on whatever we're talking about, in this case, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and give it to you inside of something entertaining. That's why we are who we are and what we are mm. that is not matched, my opinion, by anyone else with what they're providing you in regard to podcasting. So anyway, the bottom line is that, again, taking the centipede stuff and referring to it and then launching into this very focused, very quick exposition scene is brilliant move inside of the writer set. Agreed. The timeless theory, change the future by being audacious. At lunch today, I was with our co-podcaster, Kip Lewis, mm. who has sat in on many a comic book pr uh, perspective review that we've done. And he is watching a program called Timeless, which I watched the first, I think, season, maybe season and a half of. Mm -hmm. I've, I, think, I think there was a Ben Franklin episode was the last one I saw. And I really do enjoy what they're doing with it. Yeah. It reminds me very much of that Time After Time movie with Malcolm What's-His-Face from General Malcolm Extra. McDowell. Yes. And I love that movie. I love that movie because it's kind of genre-bending, where it will mm. take the old and mesh in with the new and give you something completely different. It, it, it's fun. I also like a lot of the graphic novels that bothered to do that. The stuff they did, they did with Batman where they take Batman and they shove him into the 1800s, stuff like that. Man, I, I love that. I sucked that up with the Ah, uh, yes, Gotham by Gaslight. Yeah, awesome stuff. What Timeless does is it takes a version of history and then puts a really solid twist on it. Hmm. it. It really is a good, solid program that has all kinds of twists and turnies. Unfortunately, it was cannon fodder for when I, cu I cut the cord. Oh, so for okay. a period of time, I wasn't paying attention to it at all because I had DVR stockpiled a big bunch of it, and mm -hmm. I don't—I just don't remember where I left off. Right. It's where I'm going to have to go back one weekend and just sit and do nothing but try and figure out exactly where I was, mm -hmm. catch up, and then try and and try and scoot back up to where I'm caught up. Anyway, I keep telling myself to do the same thing on Lost, and I just don't want to do it. Well, that you got to find the time, and especially for Lost, you you really got to have some attention span there because I couldn't yeah. do it. Anyway, the, what happens inside of Timeless is that Timeless is willing to change history. The difference is that they are willing to do it and leave it. So l let's go make an incursion that saves John F. Kennedy. Okay. Yeah. You're going to destroy the space-time continuum, or at the very least, at the very least... Come back to a divergent timeline, right? Well, no, because the the team is in a is in that you know the the soothsayer bubble of ah, time so will remain. So, oh. so they still remember what time was. They'll remember everything that wasn't that that the, the way that it was. Yeah, but the well, it's very Back to the Future. Nobody ever really talks about the Back to the Future trilogy because after Marty returns home, you realize he walks in and then there's his whole his his family, completely different family. It's the same people. 
but they're not the same people. Right. He doesn't he, have any memory. Yeah. Right. He's not a loser, but he has no memory of why he's not a loser and why the family's not a loser. So just imagine Back to the Future 3.5, where Marty has to kind of reassimilate himself into a world that he has no idea what he's doing. Mm-hmm. But of course, we don't we don't see that because well, there's not enough time for that. Yeah. But that's really what happened. He comes back to a divergent timeline where mm-hmm. Things are changed, but he only remembers the way that it used to be. Right, right. And again, that is really kind of a piece of what happens with Timeless. I mean, there's all kinds of other nuance and, and stuff oh, that yeah. happens around it. it. It's it's really cool. There's a piece of spycraft in it. There's a piece of co-conspirator in it. There's even a lot of slats, and probably why I like it the most, there is a whole bunch of Quantum Leap flavor in it. Mm, like, okay. Like huge. And so, I, I mean, I really, really enjoy this Until you said program. Quantum Leap, I could care less about Timeless. Now, I'm, now I actually might yeah. just give it a try. Yeah. It has a bunch of endearing messaging that doesn't feel saccharine, mm. that is time-based, that's wrapped with, uh, wrapped with the characters like bacon around the episode. Mm. It, it, especially as it started hitting its stride whenever I stopped watching. Right. I mean, it was, it was good. I just I didn't have the time to watch, and the juggle of cutting the cord was too much for too much to bear. Anyway, the the timeless theory where I'm going with this is that timeless is willing to do what this episode is talking about, mm-hmm. and I I'm super jacked to see what happens inside the next episode because of it. Well, I'm I'm just happy at the fact that it's also a character shift for Fitz. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and Jimmy even mentions it. It's it's nice to hear this coming from the man who used to believe that time can't be altered mm-hmm. at all mm-hmm. so it does show that there is hope not only if, that if, if you even want to say if there's hope because me personally I, the whole mac and fitz thing where you know matt last episode mac said you know whatever's wrong with you you need to fix it because something in you is broken i don't necessarily disagree but not to the extent that mac is talking mm-hmm. i think fitz needs to come to terms with what he's willing to do. Yeah. Fitz has cracked open the the Swiss Army knife of we need to win. Mm-hmm. And Mac is not ready to look at the uh, the corkscrew and the tweezers pieces of the Swiss Army knife where Fitz is going, okay, so we're going to start with the tweezers and the corkscrew because those are the tools you got to use. Right, yeah. And, and I, again, I love that. I love that somewhere in the writer's room someone was able to say, what if they just do it? What if, what if they just start having a discussion about? Okay, we're going to change time. We're not going to try to say Phil Coulson. We're just going to do it. We're going to say yeah. Phil Coulson. And, yeah, and I, I appreciate that. More importantly, I appreciate it because they're willing to say, "Let's have our characters have a conversation about this." Mm. Yes, all day long and twice on Sunday. I love stuff like this. Another Asian red shirt bites the dust. As fast as he came on the screen, he's sent packing on the screen. Sayonara. <laughs> I, 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 this was probably the most worthless red shirt scene that I can remember inside of the program. So much so that I think it was just used because of a piece of dialogue that was then used later. Or I guess to assert the power of, of, of Graviton slash Talbot. Uh, I, I guess. I mean, my, my question is, is, if they knew that Agent 
I, and they even mention his name in the episode, and for the love of me, I can't remember it. So, sure. sadly, I'm just going to refer to him as Agent Redshirt. Uh, if they knew Agent Redshirt was there and he gets gravitoned into the hole and either crushed like grape or sliced open by weird wackadoo space pirates, we don't know. But if they knew he was there, why didn't they take the time to look and see if there was anybody else right there? That, that, that was a... Strange. It, 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 it was strange. extremely strange, yes. It was, it was strange and it, it feels like it was expedited to just get done with it and... and the reason why I asked if it was just maybe a, a nod to see if we could acknowledge Talbot's power quick. It, that's what it felt but like. But the thing is, is that it wasn't necessarily Talbot's power either because the lights were flickering and it went dark right. in that area. Right. So was it the creatures that grabbed him or was it Graviton that grabbed yeah, him? I've, I've, they didn't really make that clear. But but once he falls into the hole, you hear that whole... Ah, yeah. So is that his throat being slit or is that him being crushed like grape? I, I, I'm not entirely sure. And it's it's where I, I could probably watch the episode again and maybe garner some more detail. Yeah. But it, it moves fast enough through it that it doesn't bother me. But it's something I definitely wrote down because previously, you know, we've had a, okay, Hamilton, we need you to, oh, yes, sir. That's a that's a great move, sir. I'll get right on that. Clackety clack on the right. keyboard or something. And, and then there's some sound or some more dialogue or whatever. And that's been the piece of what wasn't quite a red shirt yet. And then eventually they just show up and they get shot or whatever. We, we didn't get that at all for this yeah. character, like at all. A casual glance to Infinity War events in New York. This time it's done way more, uh, I'll say RoboCop style, because it's done with a television screen and some text, mm -hmm. uh, rather than it actually being commentary outright in your faceness. And it's good. All of this is excellent peanut butter on the sandwich that I want to continue to take bites of so that I get a full tummy. Some people, and I know, and, and at times I could be one of those people, some people may actually wish, well, why didn't we actually have two reporters sitting there talking about the devastation in New York and actually naming characters from the Infinity War movie by name? You know, uh, reporters on the scene saw Tony Stark, also known as Iron Man, fighting some alien creature. Why didn't we get that? Well, because... We don't need that. If you saw Infinity War, <laughs> then you, you saw, don't need right, yeah, that. Yeah. So so anybody who's listening to this podcast, the, <laughs> the movie has been out now, what, three weeks? Stop waiting. Don't don't be like me with uh, with Star Wars The Last Jedi and wait months and months and months. Years. Not, <laughs> not years, months. If you are waiting for some, I don't know what you're waiting for. Run. Don't walk. Run now to go see Infinity War because yeah. you're missing out. The devastation, just what they show, is is a, fra a fraction of a fraction of a fraction yeah. of the real devastation that happens in that movie. Yeah. And yeah. how they handle it so subduly. Yeah. Because Max just watching yeah. it is like, oh, wow, that, that looks bad. Guess what? It's even worse yeah. when you're there. When you're there. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the real answer to the question is, you know, why don't they... Why don't they show a couple of reporters detailing this in depth? And the answer is not only because you can go and watch Infinity War. You don't need it's, it. Well, no, it's, it's even better than that. It's 
everybody did go see Infinity War. That's why it made well, a billion dollars true. in a weekend. <laughs> so it was that, seven people. They just saw it every single showing for yeah, three weeks straight. They just sat in there. They just sat in there. They didn't. They never went home. Really, all that money's from the concession. It's not ticket sales <laughs> at all. <laughs> Finally, the hand is doing something. Phil Coulson finally whips out the Swiss Army hand that actually now does something. And I was so happy, even though we was just like using it as a as an x-ray device to see what was behind door number four. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, at least it's doing something. It is one of the underused pieces that... I, I, and I, please don't send hate mail about me hating on Phil's hand my hate if you want to call it that is on the not utilization and or not just making him snap it off or something i i was looking for something because this hand that he has on is not just it's not where he went to macy's and ripped off the left hand of a mannequin somewhere true and shoved it into, right. the, into the slot it's not just a prosthetic hand that makes me that allows me to be able to open doors and hold a nice frothy beer it's <laughs> It's a tool. It, it is a tool, it's but a, the thing it's a Swiss is, Army knife. But yes, but and and here here's my here's my rebuttal. If Phil Coulson relied on his go go gadget robot hand all the time, then that's who Phil Coulson would be associated with. I, I and the fact that he that. doesn't, and the fact that he only uses it sparingly, reminds us. Oh, hey, he's got a he's got a special hand. His hand can do some shit. Because he goes for so long without, you know, turning on the little pen light or the laser pointer, and you you forget that he's got a fake hand. Oh, that's right, and the and the fact that it's so uh, low tech as well. There's not, you know, concussion grenades or like, like the pinky can shoot a concussion grenade. That's what the fingernail is. It's a it's actually pla plastique. The fact yeah, that it's a, a, so subdued. Yeah. Agent May, thanks so much for the creamer. Phil, can I use your pinky as a coffee stir real quick? Yeah, you can. Thanks. <laughs> no powers for you being broken in before being brought. Yeah. This was excellent. This is where the storytelling gets used appropriately. The special effects budget is kept to an absolute bare minimum because there isn't any. And you absolutely have what would make sense, especially for a bad guy that's in the upper echelon of bad guys, where he knows he wouldn't want to get his ass quaked by the Destroyer of Worlds. Mm -hmm. This is this is just such a brilliant move that is such an easy, easy do inside of a storyline like this. And they hit it out of the park completely with this for me. Loved it. It's the cat and mouse and... It gives us yet another look to a side of Cree culture because Papa Chrysanthemum even says that even in his own race, even in, of his own people, the Cree, he's on the outskirts because of his beliefs and his practices. Mm -hmm. That right there tells us, oh, okay, so, you know, his family is a little crazy. And then... Daisy even calls him out on that. You got two sons that are their cheese is way off the cracker. Mm -hmm. Your entire family's nuts, and uh, you're all gonna get what you deserve. Mm -hmm. How is joining with Creel anything good? 
Well, for uh, Creel, it's not. <laughs> no, and and I realize that Creel here, unfortunately, uh, I I am gonna call him dead. I.e., he's not gonna come back. We're not gonna see any more ripped body ever. Uh, there may be some pseudo Talbot or altered Talbot, whatever we're calling him now, that will try to exemplify his best impression of how Creel speaks and acts. But Dunn is the incredibly ripped individual that is Creel inside the series, unless something goony happens, like. I don't know Infinity Gauntlet. Well, no, you, you don't believe that uh, that if if he so chooses, Talbot could unabsorb people. I mean, it is gravitonium. It is very liquidy, flowing. The possibility. <laughs> this is a sci-fi show. We are talking about. I, I'm gonna. How about new? I've seen crazier <laughs> shit on Star Trek, sir. I, I, no, how about no? I mean, seriously, that's. My I'm not saying it's a good idea. I don't like the fact <laughs> I, that we got rid of a, a character like that. I don't. I, you I, know I, what? I, if I have to pick, I'll pick Carl Creel over Talbot any day. Yes, no, because he's I, a much more underdeveloped character. We could go much more with that character. Whereas Talbot, this is even even if there is a redemption moment for Talbot by the end uh, of next episode this is crescendo for Talbot I'm still period. done he, his story is yes. done yes Creel I, still had a story to tell yes and he's been taken down way too soon as well as how many years of comic bookdom being built so yes I, I would very much like to see Creel come back though what they did with him here uh, was good I mean it was what I see and experience on the screen mm. was good. Oh, well, yeah. It, it was all good. I just hate seeing Creel gone. Yeah, it's a, that that creepy, I'm not your I'm not your enemy, join me, and everything will be, I'll make everything fine. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, and Talbot yeah. just does a great job conveying that. And then, oh, this next part you're not going to like. But it'll be over quick, and everything yeah. will yeah. be fine. Yeah, yeah. Hey, hey Danielson, <laughs> wax on, wax off. Get in my belly. <laughs> not so fun. The concept of the astral scope. Pretty freaking cool, man. Or oh dark, you gotta be kidding me, it's around the corner inside the season. And we get introduced to the astral scope. Awesome. <laughs> I love I love little bits like this because I I get to just marvel, wink wink, nudge nudge at them introducing stuff like this that is going to be so cool if we can ever get back to it. <laughs> but the astral scope, man, too cool. I also believe that this is this is more connected to the technology Deke was using in the future when mm. we met him. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. That created that uh, getaway bar yeah. for, for the people on the lighthouse. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, da when Daisy calls it, you have framework technology... He's like, nah, it's not really the framework, but yeah, it kind of is. And it probably was a little bit of framework, a little bit of this, the, 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 the astral scope, and then his ingenuity. But it's nice to know that the Kree are also creepy people who want to create, in your mind, holodecks, just like crazy AIs here on Earth. The concept of superhero waterboarding. This is very interesting, and, again, not to spoil it, because it doesn't, but something that Kevin Feige mentioned specifically inside of several of the videos that I'd mentioned previously, mm -hmm. the ability for this television show, as well as the Marvel feature films, to accidentally, completely, by chance, 
glue themselves into the pop culture general news streams that you see inside of modern day America mm-hmm. and world completely by accident is fun. And so every time it happens, I want to make sure that we also mention it. The one that's mentioned by Kevin Feige is when Winter Soldier came out, everybody needs to remember back a little bit because right before then, several months before the second Captain America film was released, Winter Soldier, Mm -hmm. Edward Snowden was in the news stream, as was Edward Snowden's proclivities and admissions, which all dealt with dun-dun-dun-dun privacy and being monitored without your permission Mm -hmm. which is exactly what happens inside of winter soldier right with the helicarriers i.e we are going to monitor you we are going to identify you we are going to snoop to no end and then we are going to target and kill you before you ever know anything's going to happen obviously that's not what's happening asterisk with what's going on with snowden and what has happened with snowden but that that digging and finding and you don't know that it's happening all that is happening Mm -hmm. and so again we get a little bit of that inside of this where we bring up the the concept of uh, the superhero waterboarding inside of this is that you literally can't use your powers because you are be you are put under but you also know that you are being put under right that's the superhero waterboarding. It is, it's torture in that you not only do you have the powers, not only do you think you were using your powers, except nothing happened, but now you know that you cannot use your superpowers while you are awake, while you are under, inside of whatever the hell's going on with Papa Cassius's process. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, it's, it, it, it's, it's got so many layers on it, I just I don't even know how to quite approximate what I want to tell everybody about it, but it's just it's cool. The his his diatribe about how you know you, you're hungry but you cannot eat, you're sleepy but you cannot sleep, the fact that you know all of these things, especially your species, is very susceptible to, you know, all I have to do is wait. Eventually, you will break and I will have you. I think that's, and I and I don't want to say social commentary, but I I believe that that's that's basically the thinking of anybody that wants to try to break yeah. another person to deprive senses to an end so as to get what you want <clears throat> right that right. is exactly what that is the, 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 that is yeah it's 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 torture and it's slavery mm-hmm. the thing is though it, and of course you know it's daisy she even says she warns him at the beginning of the conversation it's like oh so this isn't real okay not my first rodeo when it comes to being in a virtual world I am the destroyer of worlds. Wow, it it it, it just it doesn't get any more. This this is that satisfying moment where it's not the where you stand up and go yeah, like several different moments inside of the most recent Infinity War program. Mm. But it's it's where you look at the screen and you you kind of nod to yourself and you have this incredibly wide Cheshire grin. And it, it, it makes you feel satisfied. And I, I really enjoyed what they did with this because it was not that the earth stops moment and you get the, you know, the, the, the Neo flexing moment after he's after he's destroyed Agent Smith. Mm-hmm. You, you don't get that. What you get is this elation moment where you realize that something really, really interesting is going to happen. 
And that's exactly what we get here. Right. It, it really is good. And it would it and it could only happen with with Daisy, really. Mm-hmm. Really when yeah, you think about I agree it, with that. Daisy is the only person that could escape from something like that for two reasons. A, she's been in the situation before, so she knows how to tell her mind mm-hmm. this isn't real. Yeah. And secondly, her her power set. Mm-hmm. No other person could have been able to break the inhibitor thing that was on her forehead except for daisy because that's her power Power, right she shakes rattles and rolls so that's uh, if this was any other person they were screwed yeah but it's daisy full circle with the centipede focus talbot and fitz and simmons this again is being able to open close then reopen, reintroduce new content into the loops, and then use both of those loops to close a new third loop. It, it's such exquisite writing inside of a mostly reasonably innocuous process inside of this episode that when you mix it with the other loops, multiple loops that are opening and closing, wrapping new content and opening and closing, established with other loops inside of this story inside this season Mm -hmm. it's incredibly satisfying yeah and it's a tightrope it's a tightrope to walk for the writers because at any point in time if any one of those loops falls apart story-wise everything else could come tumbling down yes and a lot of movies and television suffer from from the multiple looping Especially when you stretch those loops out over a long period of time, say yeah. 22 episode seasons. <laughs> yeah. When you play that game, you risk falling flat on your ass sometimes. Yeah. Early, earlier inside this season, they mentioned mm. specifically Ghost Rider and some of the exploits that were going on with Ghost Rider during last season. Mm-hmm. And you're absolutely right on, are you mentioning it because it has relevance or are you mentioning it because it's kind of kitschy and it'll look pretty good here? Well, this season, we bring the Ru- Russian back. Yeah, I, yeah. D- d- did you think we were ever going no. to see the Russian again? No, in fact, I I, I But the thing is, it made sense. It. Yes, it did. When they, when they explain did. it to you, when, when the exposition comes and, and shows you why this makes sense, mm-hmm. you're like... Well, holy shit! Okay, yeah. no, yeah, this this all ties together. This and this isn't just, hey, it's season five and we're doing something big, mm-hmm. and this may be the final season, so we're pulling out all the stops. It's it's not necessarily all of that, yeah, but yeah. it's hey, look at all the threads that we've had over the last five years, over the last four and a half years. Mm-hmm. These aren't frayed threads. These are still things we're pulling on. Why? Because. This is a continued story. Yeah, I, I think to use another analogy, and why I like to use analogies, is making a patchwork suit mm. is very, very intricate work in that, you know, you can have a suit, but you have to make sure that either the patches look appropriate, like like a, like a jacket with patches on the elbows. Yeah. You can absolutely do that. But you start putting six or eight patches on a jacket, it's going to start looking goofy. Yeah. Stuff yeah. that you'd get out of a really, really bad secondhand store someplace. And that's what you can't afford inside of a program like this. Mm-hmm. So you've got to have, if you're going to put the patches on, they've got to be squarely on the elbows, uh, appropriately adorned so that you don't look like a dumbass. And, man, this is just, it's masterful story writing. <laughs> Building in the human factor for a villain. We just got done with Infinity War, and spoilers, 
if you haven't seen the billion dollar during three day weekend movie, uh, Infinity War does wonders. I, I, wonders is not even it's not even close to being good enough. It it makes a completely different expose when you consider the word villain slash bad guy right. inside of a feature film, regardless of whether or not it's a comic book film. Forget that. Mm-hmm. For, start thinking about villains in general. Right. And start thinking about putting Thanos in it because it's huge. The the being able to put a human factor in on anybody, especially the ones that are villainous or that have been established as a villain. It is a big ask, and Infinity War succeeds wonderfully in it. This is a very good nod to taking the human factor, putting it over Talbot inside of this episode, kind of like Saran Wrap, and then showcasing it to his family, where you can see that there is this layer on top of Talbot. But there's a man there until the scene goes south. Right. No, and yeah, it, I agree. It's 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 exquisite. It's exquisite. And this this yet again, I am I will reiterate my concerns and my statements from the previous episode. This has to be because he has absorbed so many different personalities in his head that the shift in personality has taken hold like this. Uh, it, it was something interesting that Yo-Yo and Mac were talking about when they were trying to figure out where Talbot was going after killing Kree. Mm-hmm. Quote-unquote, killing Kree. Mm-hmm. Mac even said, everybody considers themselves the hero of their own story. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. where would this hero go? And he, He's going home. He wants, to, he wants to see his family again. The fact that he turns on his wife so easily. The, again, totally out of character for Talbot. Before the Gravitonium, it was all about getting back home to his family, letting them know, I'm okay. There was that that heartfelt conversation he had with Daisy after they had rescued him. I, I really I really need to talk to my family. Well, we're, we're kind of, we're, we're dark. We, we can't really risk sending any unneeded signals out because Hale could probably track us. And then by the end of the episode, it's, hey, I, bolt, I pulled some strings, found some loops. We got an outside line that's secure. Call call home. Let your family know you're okay. N- just knowing that, that that was the one thing that he wanted to do, and then episodes later, oh, well, you, you're not on our side. You betrayed me. You betrayed me to, to Hydra, and you betrayed me to shit. No, that's that's the, the psychosis. That's the ego and the, I, I, I hope, I hope, because I really don't want this season to end with Talbot... Uh, his his good name just smeared because of this gravitonium crap. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it would be a really bad way to end a, a character that I've enjoyed. I, I think I have to look at this as. I, by the way, I am a fan of there being some sort of, and the other personalities are impacting his behavior. I am a fan of that, and mm. I, I hope that they're able to convey that. And that is it. Yes, right. absolutely. But the other thing it is is something that we see inside of. Every single, whether it's done good or not, is that there very quickly, for those who want and desire power, there is always one purpose. And in Talbot's case, his purpose is not to get back to his family. Mm. The purpose clearly becomes, especially after 
mind handling his wife. Yeah. And then absolutely disregarding anything about what his kid is telling him. He's absolutely bent to make sure that he gets what he wants. Has has nothing to do with satiating anybody else. The sample is that again if we use Infinity War as a as a, uh, an amalgam of what we're talking about here. Mm. What did Thanos want inside of the cacophony of Infinity War? Some people would say, well, obviously, he wanted half the universe to die so that there would be balance. Okay, that's one perspective. He wanted to win is another one. He wanted to be the winner is another perspective. But the one that, you know, it, it will take the feather and put it in anybody's cap that can jump on with me here is that Thanos wanted to sit and watch the sunrise. Period. That's it. And to get there, he knew one path. Get the gauntlet and snap your fingers. And whatever it took, no matter what what had to be decimated, what had to be destroyed, what had to be moved, what had to insert the, the, the fate, that's what got done. Period. Paragraph. And they have done that exactly the same way inside of a very, very short cone of time inside of this episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Interesting. The insert of Deke and great plan, May. I, I like this mostly because, uh, one, I like Deke and I like that they can in, insert Deke as an appropriate piece of humor inside of where it needs to be. But this line really reminded me, frankly, of Bill Paxton. Oh, yeah, 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 good idea. Remember that from Aliens? Right. <laughs> it, it, it was absolutely the exact same flavor that was inside of Deke inside this episode at that point. Now, see, I went Ghostbusters. That was your plan, May? Get her? Yeah, see, I don't think he was being sarcastic, though. Well, technically, I, I Bateman wasn't was being going... sarcastic either, but it just came off that way because it's Bill Murray. Yeah. Eh. Uh, any, anyway, I wanted to make sure we mentioned it because it was it, it lightened up the mood, especially after it lightens up the mood. Even though it's this is this is dire stuff right here. This is the conversational comedy yeah. that happens with yeah. this group of people yeah. on this show. That's fair. Talking tech. Ah, the opportunity to talk tech. It's been a while. There's, it's been a while, but there's, been, there's actually quite a bit of tech inside this episode. This time we're going to focus on the navigation, weapon systems, and a new target graphics uh, that are yes. used inside of this. Of the things we saw inside this episode, though, I've got to tell you, all the outside ship stuff, once again... Again, beautiful. Just right. beyond beautiful. But you know what this, this stuff here? Sharp. This stuff showed me that there was more than just this empty silver room... On this spaceship, because I was I was nitpicking about that last episode. You, you were, and I actually I, I got a little bit more critical in my view. Actually, that's not entirely true. Instead of watching it on the same screen that I typically watch, I actually watched it here with Kip Lewis, our fellow podcaster in in comic book podcasting crime. I watched it here inside of Two Guys Talking West Studio, which has a completely different style screen. Ah, and so there's a lot more detail that is on this screen that isn't on the one that I have at home. And I have to tell you, the backgrounds do look incredibly, like, base and stage-esque. See? So I agree with, I agree with you. The, uh, the giant greeblies that are used <laughs> on the walls yeah. 
Uh, for those of you, uh, there's two things. For those of you that are not familiar with the word greeblies, greeblies are the extra pieces parts that you'll see, especially on smaller model making for spaceships that are literally just ripped out of some other model, painted appropriately and shoved onto it. <laughs> They're called greeblies. Nobody really knows kind of what they are. They're just there. My mind is exploding with links. The first link that we're <laughs> going to put in in regard to this is uh, a link to a new tested video. For those that have forgotten, tested is the Adam Savage online showcase where he runs through a whole bunch of cool stuff along with him and several of his other cool tested buddies. They all jump on and they do things. And one of the most recent ones is the title on the static image that's used inside of it for the tested series is the Y-Wing Fighter. Mm, okay. And the model that was recently redeveloped that uses as close as humanly currently possible the same pieces parts to build that model of the Y-Wing mm. that was used back in the original New Hope film. Oh, wow. Okay. So, And that's just the first piece. The other thing that's included there is that um, the, the uh, escape pod for the droids, mm -hmm. they have a new approximation of that. And then they've got um, uh, Luke in front of a, a smaller one of those water redensifier, whatever, the spirally things. Right. The, um, the moisture it, farmer stuff. Moisture evaporators. Moi it. There we go. It's excellent. They're very similar to the year load lifters. <laughs> oh, in thank most you. respects. I, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. <laughs> Would you like to rip off more of the script while, we've, while, we're, on, while we're on recording here? That's awesome. Anyway, we're going to link to that one. That's the first one. The second part of Greebly building that I absolutely love because it references Star Trek II, which is, again, one of my flavors of mm, yes. foreverdom. Inside of Star Trek II, though you can see it in other places too, but Star Trek II exemplifies that when you're on the bridge of many a starship, including the USS Reliant, mm. commanded by super cool Khan, inside of that feature film. He tasks me. That's right. He tasks me, and, and I must have, have him. him. I'll chase him round the moons of Nibia and round Perdition's flames before I give him up. So we, we quote that entire movie too. We man. can do that too. Oh man, just <laughs> it's so delicious. I just love that film. Anyway, inside of that bridge and many a bridge for many many years, you will note uh, this may be beyond you. I I can't believe I'm saying that. I can't believe how old I'm getting. Anyway, the, the, the gist is that for those of you that remember film strips inside of your scholastic experience, which uh -huh. I'm assuming you don't. Yeah. I remember. Thanks. I know of them. Thanks so much. I know of them. I can remember when there were wheels on cars. Anyway, <laughs> the gist is that there used to be these things called film strips. And what they were were essentially movies. The difference is that they moved very, very slow. And they uh, also included a soundtrack on what was then called a cassette tape. And the cassette tape and... The roll of film were included in this little plastic case, mm -hmm. and the film was in this little piece of snap-on plastic form-fitted technology. And when you remove those things and you put them in mass on a wall of, say, I don't know, a starship set, it suddenly starts to look like something that is futuristic and space-like. Mm. And that's exactly what it is. I will find a screenshot of exactly what I'm talking about so you can understand what's going on. I will also include a link to film strips for those of you that are <laughs> sadly too young to remember film strips. 
but essentially film strips you'd put the reel of film in you'd queue up the make sure it's rewound be kind rewind well yes of course make sure you put in the audio cassette you snap it in you close the top and you push play and it would play and every time you'd hear this noise then you would then go to the next slide the, in in the film that would give you a piece of visual presentation oh, yeah. to accompany the audio presentation. Eventually, this mechanation became automated, and then suddenly there were no more film strips. Oh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, we'll include links to all of this so that you too can endure what Mike Wilkerson, millions of others that are now old, were able to experience. Now, that's a piece of old tech, Mike. Let's talk about the piece of new tech, then. All right, so anyway, we've got the navigation, the weapon systems, and a new target that are all displayed inside of this luscious, delicious system, which this point is named after, by the way. Yes. Anyway, and, and it's just, it's spectacular. I was absolutely rope-a-doped by what was being done. I did not know that they were going to go, oh, hey, let's just target this place. Right. I, no yeah. idea. No idea. And those of you that go, I saw it coming a million miles away. No, you didn't. I, I just, I, I can't buy that. It, it, it is wonderfully done. The only thing more wonderfully done is May telling the Mr. By the way, you, you know who the black guy is, right? I've seen him in a lot of stuff. Okay, well, where everyone should remember him from is he's the guy that ends up at the bottom of a pit during 300. Ah. This is Sparta. To, to get back off on a, on a complete Star Trek tangent, because why not? Why it's our not? show. <laughs> uh, Star Trek, I wanted to mention a piece inside of the original series, which those of you that are young, you might not even remember that there is an original series that Star Trek is actually based on, where there was the original Captain Kirk. Anyway, inside of that series, there is a there is a scene, I've forgotten which episode it is, but inside of the episode, inside of what you can now go watch on the DVDs and Blu-ray sets, is a cut scene. It's got to be on YouTube. In fact, I think I've seen it on YouTube. And it's a it's a scene where this guy he comes out and he's commanding. He's commanding these troops to skewer them. The, so the line is, skewer them. And the guy cannot pull off the word skewer. Yeah. And so he walks onto set and he launches his, his spear or his sword forward and he goes... Screw them! <laughs> <laughs> it is just—it is hilarious. We'll try and find it on YouTube. Because uh, in what way, sir? <laughs> It's—it's super delicious. And every time I, I hear the words that refer to the word skewer, I always think of that guy in that scene. It's just—it's super tasty. Anyway, we're wondering what you thought was a great use of tech inside of this episode. Let us know what you think by going to our Facebook presence. That's Facebook.com/forward/slash/ShieldPodcast. Fill in the details on what you thought was a great talking tech moment or chime in on any one of the threads that's already there. A Carol Ann mention. This is again going back to before a lot of you were probably born. Not me. I was I was alive for this. Yeah, but you're you're absolutely skewed because of the context of what's going on here inside of this reference. Inside of the closed captioning inside of this episode, again, my total nod to every closed captioning, especially now, they really have taken it to a completely different level. But inside of the closed captioning, 
this is the the section where Daisy looks up into the camera slash across your shoulder and says, they're here. And for those of you that are way too young, you would never remember that this is a reference to little Carol Ann inside of Poltergeist. Ah, yes. However, thanks to the closed captioning, it literally says, as Carol Ann, dot, dot, dot. As she says, "Wow, they're here now." That's some sophisticated, that's awesome. some sophisticated <laughs> stuff right there. I, I I love that, and as a member of the deaf and hard of hearing community myself, it is a wonderful nod to not just help people that cannot hear with what is being delivered, but to then ask the question because what doesn't happen inside of this, it doesn't go. Uh, as Carol Ann, as seen inside of the 1980 whatever Poltergeist film. Mm. That's not what this says. It doesn't say anything like it. It just says, as Carol Ann, dot, dot, dot. You can then ask the question and then get on the internet and go find who Carol Ann is. Right. I love that. I love that. It instantly becomes a piece of educational moment rather than just crap that's delivered on screen, crap in, crap out, who cares, next episode. It's something else, and that's why I tell everybody Turn on the captioning and learn some more stuff that's going on around you. The life debt concept. Almost. This was fun and a nod to Star Wars. Mm -hmm. In fact, in three weeks, we're going to have another Star Wars feature film, which Nick will get to seeing in about 2026. Oh, no, no. I'll be there opening weekend. Oh, you will? Why is that? Well, because the last... Because you love Chewbacca. Well, I do I love, love the Millennium Falcon. I, I, and Lando Calrissian, thank you very much. But <laughs> Hello, my name is Lando Calrissian. The, the, the administrator of this facility. That's right. The reason why I didn't see The Last Jedi in theaters was because it came out at the end of my wife's last semester in nursing school. No time. Absolutely no time. I'm not allowed to go see any of those films without my wife present. And any any listeners who are married can understand what I'm talking about. I, I understand your... No, Mike I, does, I Mike does whatever he wants. That's the thing. Mike does whatever he wants. I'm Mike Wilkson and I'll do what I want. But <laughs> this time around, Nick this is... time around, I'll be there opening weekend because right. my wife's not in school anymore. <laughs> Bottom line is that Nick, Ass. <laughs> while this was supposed to be a show and a bullet point about the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu streaming. You made it about Star Wars I have. again. I have. And in fact, Con- this, is to affirm, this is to affirm that Nicholas Q. Cage, whatever your name is. <laughs> <laughs> Do I need to start wearing a name tag? <laughs> Has now seen The Last Jedi. Yeah, I have seen. How yes, awesome I have. How awesome is that? Everybody Finally. stop and give Nick a round of applause. I was I was that last guy. I was that last holdout. <laughs> so now we can Start referring to a movie that is now six any of your old. references to Last Jedi. I'll finally get. <laughs> oh, awesome! I can't wait to fill all of our television going experiences with more luscious, grand views and and perspective on the Last Jedi for Nick. The changing of target and Foe Morpheus is gone. Again, this is referring to. May's exquisite usage of dialogue inside of this episode to Faux Morpheus, i.e. the guy that ends up at the bottom of the pit in 300. And it, it's 
it's just it's incredibly satisfying, and you don't really see anything happen to him. No, no. You, but again, it's it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a yes moment, and I, I love it when you can have those inside the movies. And earlier, when we were in the very drawn out talking tech moment <laughs> of of the review, when you were talking about how nobody saw what May and Deke were doing coming, uh, I disagree. You knew any anybody paying attention knew May was going to do something. We just didn't know that she was going to change the target to where the the missiles would come back around. I assumed she was going to find some way to keep the missiles intact inside of their their holding chamber to where they were going to blow. I knew the the, the ship was going to blow up. We're we're one episode away from being done with this season. Shit's going to blow up. I did not see them pulling a hole, making the missiles come back around and when it happened i actually had a flashback to star trek 6 the undiscovered country mm, i can see that i'm watching the missiles come back around and 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 big bad alien guys just standing there and i start going to be or not to be klingons quoting shakespeare mm-hmm like, like it happened at the end of the then and, yeah. and then for, boom. Hunt for Red October also. Oh, well, so, Hunt for Red October. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. I was going, I was trying to appease you, Wilkerson, because, <laughs> you know, your love, your love of the track. Half the people and writers that made <laughs> each are in each, so we're good. So it's a decision point rather than a process. This is another piece of exquisite writing for this episode. Every single other program that just needs to make sure they've got their 43 minutes in a checkbox, along with interacting with most of the main character cast during a 22-episode season, this ain't that program. I don't know how to be more clear than to exemplify this piece of the episode, Mm. where this is it. If you didn't understand where we are as we get towards the end of this episode... It becomes so crystal clear. But until you're told exactly what the potential values are and what the absolute there will be costs are, this is it. And it is exquisitely done. This is one of those moments where you don't. And I know last episode you said that uh, until you hear that they're not renewed, you're you're going on the fact, oh, they're renewed, they're just not telling us. I would like to hope that, but I, I hate this silence. So I'm I'm in the opposite boat. I'm in the the negative boat. I kind of feel like this is it. We're we're getting near the end. And this right here. I remember how we talked about how there was no way in the world they'd be able to wrap everything up in two episodes. Well, guess what? They've just made it really easy. And I'm not talking about character interactions. Those, of course, you can't wrap those up in in an episode. But the whole point of this season, they've just made it really clear right now. It, It does come down to a decision. You either say Phil Coulson or you stop Graviton. And that's it. <laughs> that's how you wrap up a season's worth of, ooh, what's going to happen and how will they save the world? Uh, no, no, this is this is it. It's a, we either do this or we do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of scary because now going into the last episode of the season and possibly the last episode of this show, 
where do we go from here? What 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 decision what decision would you make, Mike? I, I, the answer is I wouldn't make a decision. That that's what I love about my perspective when I watch things like this is I, I don't I don't make the decision. I make the plan to watch the next episode. And I can't wait. <laughs> now see me. It, it has absolutely saved me from, especially for feature films. Uh-huh. Uh, Infinity War is a perfect example. I could pine and complain and nitpick and bitch and whine about all the things that are missing. And there are. Don't get us wrong about Infinity War. Right. There are, there are many things that are amiss or skewed or not quite appropriate inside of what happens inside of Infinity War. But rather than jump in and pull the ripcord on, I can't believe they did this. I'm way more in the boat of, I can't because I can't. I cannot wait to see what they come up with to adjoin as the and then next on our story. And the next week in our story is going to be for what happens here. It's exactly the same thing here mm. for me. That it's it's that you get you get towards the end of the episode before the stinger and you are literally just agape where you just go. Yeah. And there's a beat and there's an inhale where nobody's breathing. Snap to black. Yes, that that all that that process for me is what makes so much more in the way of especially good solid television writing way more satisfying for me. Mm-hmm. Is when they're able to is when they're able to allow me to do that at the end, and then they polish it off with a stinger inside this episode. Well, so, right, yay. I just I, I love this show because they're willing to do things like that, mm. and and then again allow you to think. It it really really is good. I but my my point was is I was asking you to put yourself in the place of the characters of the show, mm-hmm. the decision making. Mm-hmm. What do you do? I kill Graviton. You kill Graviton. Yes. You let Phil Coulson die. Yes. You know what? You want to know my answer? Yeah. I don't Kill believe- Mike Wilkerson no, no, no. so that Phil no. will live. No, well, that doesn't. <laughs> You're not. Are you Graviton? How do you know? Uh, I don't. But you know, you, this is a safe place. You can tell. Ah! <laughs> you know my solution. I don't believe in a no-win scenario. Oh God. That's right. Quoting Wrath of Khan Look yet at him again. going again inside the episode to Star Trek Two. <laughs> A 40-year-old, 10-year-old listens and prepares to convey the future in a drawing. Dude, if you thought the decision point was the eek, you gotta be kidding me moment inside this episode. The stinger at the end of this episode is just freaking exquisite. It, it, it Again, it launches you into a cataclysm of, wait a second... You mean I gotta wait six days? <laughs> and I, I, again, I love it. It's the, it's the miniature sandwich, almost quite literally, because they're able to wrap in what's going on in New York to Infinity War. It's the mini Infinity War sandwich that you get to take a bite of three weeks after Infinity War finishes. Mm-hmm. I love it. I absolutely love it. And even though, and and I said this last episode, even though it's not one episode that's the direct tie-in it's several episodes because like i said mm, three the the story in infinity war takes place over uh, days 
Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there, there's a period of time. So right. one could believe that these last three episodes of this season are taking place during the events of that film, which mm-hmm. is which is great. Mm-hmm. My thing about this stinger is, is that, yes, Graviton all imposing and, and creepy, but Robin's powers don't work like that. You know, you're going to tell me where that Gravitonium is. Is she? Is she really? Because up until up until now, her, her she's not linear. Right, but, but you're you're missing the point. I think. And I, I don't know. I okay, totally well, tell, tell, tell me what's the you, point the, the, that I'm the, missing. The, the point is that all he knows and will accept is that she can draw the future. He has no idea of the nuance that is that is enclosed. Yeah, no, no and, and I get that, and that's because that that right there is another layer of seven layer dip to put on the fact that this is not really Talbot. This is an amalgam of Talbot with all these different personalities right, on him. Right, because but, Talbot would know that's not how it works. Right, because he's interacted I, 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 before. I, I don't disagree with that. I just I don't think that that's material at this point. I, the, the the bottom line is that he walks up to her. And he, 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 he cajoles her. He doesn't threaten her. Yes. But, right. Which we know is coming. I mean, are, are we serious? He's going to look at a piece of paper and go, that doesn't look like what I want. Why don't you try again? I mean, can you not smell that coming? Give me what I want or I'm going to absorb your mother. Well, better yet, I'll absorb you and then I'll just know what no, I need. Because, well, because, listen, uh, we're, still, we're still on the timeline here. We're still in the loop. We know that Robin loses her mother and May becomes her new mom. Well, Robin's mom is still there. You think she's going to live through this season if they don't break the loop somehow? I don't know. In my mind, next episode, if Talbot doesn't get what he wants, I'm absorbing mommy. Right, but remember that at the in a previous portion of this episode, we're talking about changing the future intentionally mm-hmm. with to be audacious. Right. To, to be audacious, change the future as we see fit and to go. And I, I would provide you a supposition that was put to me by Kip that is total conjecture based on nothing but us sitting here and watching the episode. Okay. He's not the dive into spoilerific what's going on in the intertubes. So those of you that are listening right now, just take a chill pill and listen for a moment, knowing that none of this is canon slash spilled spoilerage, nothing. It's two guys, two other guys, Sitting and watching the episode and then sitting down for a few minutes chiming about it before podcaster Kip left. What he thought would be a very interesting supposition here is that in either the next episode or somewhere inside of this episode, you have Deke flitter away to dust slash leaves. Not too differently than what we see inside of Infinity War. Gotcha. Okay. And everybody kind of looks around and goes, oh, my God, we've done it. The future. We've changed the future. And you get the you get the look around, throw around the bases like we've seen in so many different episodes of so many different television shows. And you whip back around to Coulson and Coulson's smiling or leaning over because he was ill towards the end of the episode, whatever. And and then he suddenly looks at center camera and then he fades to dust. And then no one can believe what they're seeing because, wait a second, why does Phil Coulson turn to dust? And so you have May that runs over to the, the pile of dust and he picks up some of the ashes of the dust. May looks up and goes, what's going... And May fades to dust. 
and that would continue spilling across the entire Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. team. Oh, you want the whole team to fade to dust? Again, again, going back to last episode, I don't believe the entire team's going to fade to dust. Right. The entire Avengers didn't fade to dust. Right. Hold on. Hold on to the supposition. And what is happening here is, again, it's a, it's a potential time amalgam, which all the, all the gloves come off when you start talking about time. It's the, it's the wonder and the vanity that Marvel has taken by utilizing the time stone almost irrevocably inside of what we're talking about here. Uh, again, this isn't a this isn't a supposition or what we think is going to happen inside of the next Infinity War film, but it is where all of these things could play not only to just bolster everything that happens inside of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. with the team disappears, and remember that two months ago now, we knew and have heard that they wrote it so that if that's the way it ends, then that's the way it ends. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, the entire team getting gone, that's an end. That is an absolutely viable end that I think would be a very interesting exclamation point inside of what we see here. An interesting one, but not one that I'm I'm willing to accept. mm -hmm. There's better ways to do that. It makes more sense if only half of them disappear for the other half to mourn the loss of said characters. Right. Remember, though, it's not half a group, though. It, 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 I understand that. Okay. It's half the... No, it's half the universe. It, it's half the universe. But, as we saw in Infinity War, not everybody we know disappears. Ha- not even half of them. The majority of the characters disappeared, but not right. all I, of them. Right. I, but I am certain that someplace inside of math, if we took a room of the people that we see there... And just decided, okay, half the universe goes away. My guess is that the math would play that we would see most of those people disappear. I, 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 really I agree. Do believe that. Most. Okay. Not all. Most. Okay. Well, bottom line, it it could be all or not. Bottom line is what was being fostered, I think, is incredibly salient. It would, it, last episode we talked about bleeding into Infinity War mm-hmm. so wonderfully. Well, you talk about bleeding super wonderfully into Infinity War. I don't know how it could bleed better than that. Well, not only that, but moving forward, if there is a season six, it would air and then end literally right around around the same time as Avengers Part 4, the follow-up to Infinity War. Mm -hmm. And let's just say, hypothetically, if half the universe is, is, is gone, well, let's say this fourth movie... We, we save the universe, and half of the universe comes back. So here you go. You have an opportunity to have a season six of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. where it's a handful of people left from the original iteration with new characters picking up. And hell, it may even be like a completely new show. But then by the end of that season, you're able to get those characters back. Or some of them. I mean, maybe I, I don't think that everybody that disappeared into dust, I don't believe everybody is going to be able to come back from dust. Mm-hmm. Most people, most of them will. But just just throwing it out there, that would 
change the show yet again we would have a very different season six like yeah. we've had a very I, different season five and a very different season four yeah i i think what i want to exemplify by our discussion here which is a complete derailment well yeah we've, episode, we've 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 gone we, from we've we've destroyed what trying we were, to yeah focusing on push a little child to draw me a we, picture yeah of we, where we, the gravitonium we were is. trying to focus on robin and how she is going to convey the future which she still is somehow i also think that that's a potential storyline waiting to happen where whatever she draws She's just jerking them around, dude. We don't know the yeah. extent to which she can or can't draw, especially when the chips are down. We don't We don't know any of that. No, we don't. And we, I, we have to wait I, for another week. Right. I would love it if the writers are bold enough and risk-taking enough to throw that being risk-averse, especially at the end of what could be a complete show, and really throw it to the wind. True. I'd love to see that. My thing is is that I don't want to see that at the cost of changing a character just because that's what we have to do for the story. Robin, up to this point, has not behaved in a linear fashion. As a matter of fact, right. the last time we saw her, she was in the future. Mm-hmm. Her, her her future self was reacting to May as mommy. Right. Remember, so, though, remember though, it's a future self with I, a I, mommy. Right. I, and, and again, I understand that, but we've been okay. told, talked about this loop. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm sick of loop. Future's not set. We talk about loop, dude. Future's not set. Uh, uh, up until this point, uh, technically, it has been where where all of our characters are concerned where, until where's, until now. Where's, where's Yo-Yo's arms? They they're Future's gone. Not set. No, they're not. They're yep, on they her arms. Are. They're not. She has no arms. She has metal arms. Where are her metal arms? Where are her real arms? They're gone. Right. Just like the ones from the future. Sure. So. Again, we, you and I can debate time travel mechanics <laughs> on a different podcast. My thing is, is that if all of a sudden Robin starts drawing exactly what he wants to see or starts talking about exactly what he wants to know, then that is changing the character from what we have seen up to this point. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's just bad storytelling. You don't change the character to facilitate the story you make the story work with the way that you've developed the character mm-hmm. i i am i'm reasonably certain that this show will take a bold step in the next episode i i really am stay tuned we're running long inside this episode but man it sure is tasty we're going to take a break <laughs> here during the agents of shield podcast season five episode 21 the force of gravity we will be right back Two Guys Talking Podcast Bug, a truly original autonomous mobile recording solution. Get bit by the podcast bug. www.podcastbug.com Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can, with perpetual advertising. Here's how it works. Magazine, radio, and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once, and then they're lost forever. Perpetual advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even after your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment. Real impact, thanks to perpetual advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more 
and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort right now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. It doesn't always come fast, but it's always free. Join Officer Tommy Model and learn more about vital building blocks when it comes to security and law enforcement during the Free Field Training Podcast. FreeFieldTrainingPodcast.com. That's FreeFieldTrainingPodcast.com. Everyone, welcome back to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, a complete detailed and always educational review of each and every episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu streaming. This time, Season 5, Episode 21, The Force of Gravity. Every time we come back from break, Nick and I always crack open our S.H.I.E.L.D. dossiers. The S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier is where Nick and I recognize an actor's portrayal, a piece of storyline awesomery, or something else that tripped our collective review night. Fantastic. Nick, what do you got? My S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier is filled with something that may or may not have gone unnoticed by some viewers. Mm -hmm. While May is fighting off tall drink of water alien guy and Deke is scrambling around trying to get the coordinates correct so that they can get back to the lighthouse mm-hmm. he's running around uh, activating things and looking at stuff on the bridge and he comes across navigation mm-hmm. and one part of the navigation pulls up this giant star chart it's not just the Milky Way it's the galaxy mm-hmm. And before he moves on to another console, he grabs the orb, the cylinder, the whatever you want to call it, the information that has this star chart. He grabs that and says, maybe take this just in case and puts it in his pocket. Mm -hmm. Now, just imagine the possibility of where this show could go next season because we do have a Zephyr that can fly in space. Mm-hmm. Could we be planting the possible seeds of interstellar travel in the next season? And if not in the next season, in a new show that may have some of our characters jump over to. Or, even better, like I said last episode, the concept of sword. Could we be building something intergalactic? And my hopes are, hell yes. Or it may just have been Deke stealing something, and it may, may it may be nothing. Who knows? And that is my S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier. I think that's very interesting. There, there's some other mechanical pieces that I think somehow would have to be revisited, like, you know, let's do interstellar travel until, of course, it's time to eat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then hope that the so, snack crackers. Aren't we? That, aren't we somewhere near creating the uh, the, the what are they? What are they on Star Trek? The, the replicators. The replicators. Yeah. We, oh yeah, we're so close. Let's to get that. on. To, let's get on to that. Fitz. Fitz. We need a replicator. Fitz divinest crackers, please. That'd be awesome. <laughs> Earl Grey hot. <laughs> anyway, that I I love that, and it's a great catch. It's also something that that uh, podcaster Kip caught. Oh, did he? Blew okay, by me. Cool. He actually referenced that. 
that was from a piece of something, and I, I can't remember what he said. I'll try and figure it out. We'll put it inside mm, the okay. show notes or on the Facebook presence. Anyway, there's a piece of something in there that he'd mentioned mm, okay. that was from something else, and I, 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 I just don't remember what it was. But you're absolutely, uh, and again, a great catch, and, and, a, and a specific piece of detail that's very, very well done. I think my dossier has got to focus on the swift ease of Daisy's recognition of the kiss between Coulson and May. This is something that was handled so adeptly because, as anybody knows, especially when public displays of affection are involved, Mm -hmm. it can all go incredibly awry very, very quickly and often very, very stupidly. And each of the interactions that Daisy provides here are playful, they are quick, and the storyline runs underneath it so fast it's absolutely perfect. And I have to provide kudos to the show because there are many, especially television programs that get mired in things like this, where it almost turns into sophomoric moments out of high school Mm -hmm, for grown ass adults inside a perilous dire position. And, this and it's usually a younger generation yeah. reacting to Almost an older always. generation. It's like, Ew, Ew, stop that! Get a room. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm going to be physically ill. And and rather than it descending into any of that, it's playful. It's appropriate. And in particular, Phil Coulson's response is back. I mean, it's spot on. Mm-hmm. It's spot yeah. on and exactly where it needed to be, which affirms to me that we not only have an exquisite acting cast, but a brilliant room full of writers that understand the nuances of the characters, which is so key to this program and the success of what's happening in Marvel all over the board. Mm -hmm. Without having those handholds, you have something very different that would happen, especially here inside of a 43 minute showcase where there are no options. Um, You have the stinger. You can have a little bit of play with the internet. Yes. But in general, this has to be a formula, and the formula has got to work. We've seen it inside of this show, even, where the formula doesn't work. And it doesn't crash and burn, but it sure does smell funny. It smells like smells like a, smells like like a you're making peanut butter toast in the oven, except you let it cook too long. Mm. That's what happens with this show, is where you go, man, do you smell that peanut butter toast? Wait a minute, what the hell happened? And then it's done, and then you've got another offering of peanut butter toast that's perfect you sit there and you take bites of it and you eat it all and that's what they've done here inside with this scene I, I i just i loved it that's where we ask you guys what's inside of your dossier for this episode season five episode 21 the force of gravity let us know what you think by going over to our again our website that's agentsofshield.tv click anywhere on the right hand side of the page fill out the quick web form and tell us what you think Nick, the rating has become a fun, not joke, inside of this program, (laughs) but it sure is fun to play with. No, there are no changes to the scale this week or any other. The scale works thusly. Ten is on top of the heap. A literal explosion in space, somehow with fire, smoke, and sound. A one is on the other end. Everything starts at a seven, which is an average. The numbers go up with positives. The numbers go down with negatives. And Nick, 
There are no halvesies. Nick, what do you got? Not going to mince words this week. Ten. This is a ten episode. I was concerned during my viewing that... Uh, wrongly so, of course, but I was concerned that, ooh, oh, they're going to pull out all the stops on the last episode. So this one's probably going to be, you know, just maybe a nine or an eight. You know, they're 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 going to do something just slow and and easy. <laughs> no, no, of course not. And, and I don't know why I felt that way. I, there was just something I was kind of apprehensive about watching the episode this morning. I woke up and was like, okay, it's available. I know I have to review this later on today, but do I want to watch this now? Uh, something bad's going to happen. <laughs> and even though nothing horribly bad happened, bad things did happen. So, yeah, yeah, uh, it's a 10. I don't know how I could I could convey my uh, my admiration for the whole process that this show goes through mm -hmm. from... The writing, the set decoration, the costuming, the acting, the directing. It's its all stellar. And I am going to be extremely upset if within the next week or two... I don't i don't see something online that says, Hey, guess what? The show that, that show that you love? It's coming back! Mm -hmm. If I don't see that, I'm going to... I, there, a little part of me will die, Mike. A little part of me will die. If I don't have my Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. every week, or ah. at least every week during the airing season. Yeah. Yeah. My, I, I can totally see that now. I think a 10 is a great number. In fact, it's the same number I have. Ah! Uh, not, not surprisingly, this is a 10 episode for me, and the numbers are many. Uh, to latch onto your analogy of, oh, yeah, it's going to be a just, a, you know, because they got to lay it all out on the last episode, so meh. That sounds nothing that, like me whatsoever. Sounds That's a exactly the same. Look, man, I work in sound. Yeah. Uh, All right. I so, see. <laughs> the bottom line of what we're talking about here is that this episode, much like many of the other episodes inside of not just this season but this series, this is the white hot engine of a locomotive that is inside of this episode been shoveled with piles of coal. Oh yeah. And it's getting even hotter Burning and hot. revving towards what I cannot possibly wait for in our episode next week that will be issued for both you and I via Hulu streaming. And it's going to be epic. It will provide us with a final series of letters inside of the script for what is this season and potentially the series. So I have to give them credit already for being able to tell us as fans that if this is it, mm -hmm. then fear not, you are going to get something of value. And I, again, I can't express that deeper enough than just recently, Fox has thrown, I think it's between 13 and 17 different programs completely under the bus of you're not going to finish, but you're done. Yeah. And I don't see that happening with this show. I, again, you and I are on kind of polar opposites on that. But I do not see that happening with this show. But if it did have to happen, it's not going to suffer from what every single television program nowadays traditionally does, which is 
hey, thanks for coming in. Sorry we had to end on the eighth of a 22-episode season, but too bad for you. Have a good one. Mm. And I don't want to be part of any program that does that to me. I really do want an end. It doesn't have to be the epic end maybe that the writers were originally maybe thinking about, but it does need to be, a, it needs to be an end. I need to get to the end of a book where I see and the hero does blah, and then I see the word dash F-I-N. I need that. I need that inside of television programming. If you don't give that to me, I do not come back to television programming. The reason I've stuck around with this program is because, frankly, it's Marvel. Mm-hmm. Uh, two, the writing has been stellar. Mm-hmm. Three, the on-rampness that this show continues to provide. I've been talking about the on-rampness of this program since before this program was even concepted. Right. And I love it. It is. It is. A, it's another buffet that we get to eat from that specifically spills into stuff that I know I and millions of other people absolutely love. And it's not going to go anywhere soon. I'm telling you, this program is coming back. And that's where we ask you guys, what did you think of this episode, season five, episode twenty-one, "The Force of Gravity"? Let us know what you think by going again over to our website. That's agentsofshield.tv. Click anywhere on the right-hand side of the page. Fill out the quick web form and tell us what you thought of this episode. Until next time, I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.